Welcome, this is Coppercasts, a show dedicated to exploring the wonderful, if somewhat technical, world of institutional investment in crypto assets. I'm your host, Tyler Kenyon, and our guest today is Mona Elisa, CEO and co-founder of Enzyme, formerly known as Melon. Enzyme is a protocol built on Ethereum that allows users to create, manage, and invest in custom crypto asset management vehicles. The protocol has seen stratospheric growth throughout 2021, with assets under management increasing 115 times since February alone. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start before Enzyme, before it was Mellon. Um, what were you doing before that? Um, I started my career in traditional finance. So I um, pretty at a pretty young age, I uh, stepped into an internship at Goldman Sachs. And uh, before I knew it, I was uh, working for them pretty much straight out of university, age 19. I stayed with them for nearly a decade uh, working in trading. I was a market maker and prop trader across all asset classes and then in around 2011 left to go and work for one of their clients one of their hedge fund clients uh, ran a portfolio for them for four years in long short equity and then I tried to launch my own hedge fund I was approached by a family office that wanted to offer me 20 million dollars of seed capital which kind of sounded like the dream to me at the time Um, so I took the opportunity and was like really excited to make it work Um, Fast forward a year, um, I was actually having the worst time of my life. I had never uh, appreciated um, how hard the space is in traditional finance for small to medium-sized funds, how high the barriers to entry were and how inefficient the processes were. So trying to make it work with a $30 million fund was just really not happening. Um, And so to to my really big disappointment, I ended up winding it down and taking some time out. Um, which ultimately led me into this space. <laughs> and how, how, so how do you find out about sort of decentralized technology and, and DeFi when you're so in, in you know, legacy institutions like Goldman and then running a fund like family office money? I mean, this is still, I mean, we're talking five, six years ago at the very least, right? So yeah. that's early days for you know, someone from the institutional side, the traditional side to be looking at crypto. So how did you even hear about it? Yeah, so that was, you're right, I, was, I got into the space six years ago, um, but about ni- eight or nine years ago, um, I was having dinner with my family, and my, my younger brother works for Google, and, or worked and still works for Google, and um, over dinner he asked me what I thought about Bitcoin, and I told him I'd never heard of it, and he just laughed at me and said, what kind of finance person doesn't know about Bitcoin? Wow, that was <laughs> nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So... Um, T- I, um, tell me he hodled for nine years. I, I, I think he I think he did buy some. I'm not sure he hodled, though. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, you know, he asked me, you know, I, it just kind of stayed with me for a while. And everything, you know, what it's, you know, we're sort of, I've always worked in very, very intense environments. And when I'm out of work, you know, it's kind of all about downtime. We just don't have a lot of bandwidth to research something that new and so technical at the time. Um, but when I wound down that fund, and actually, interestingly, before launching the fund, I actually called the seed investor, and I said, I've got this nagging feeling. There's, I read, you know, I, I read an article about Bitcoin, and I'm kind of feeling that what we should be doing now is not launching an equity fund, but launching a crypto fund. And the seed investor said to me, why don't you just stick to what you know? So I, um, I did the fund, it didn't work out, and fast forward a year later, I'm, I'm taking, I, in my mind, I'm semi-retiring, I'm on, a, I'm on a beach in Brazil, and I'm just trying to, you know, re, 
recharge my batteries and, and regain my strength after the last you know 15 years in in a, in a pretty aggressive work environment and um, and I you know I stumbled across Bitcoin again and and I started reading about ethereum started reading about this place called crypto Valley in Switzerland and I thought hey that's funny I actually had a flat in Switzerland which I had left behind before I went stra- uh, went traveling and I thought that's literally at my doorstep and the more I read the more intrigued I became. And uh, it got to the point where I thought, what am I doing here? All I can do is, 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 is read about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Maybe I should actually just immerse myself into Crypto Valley. So I, I got on a plane, went back to Switzerland, and that's, that's basically what I did. And I imagine like, you would have clearly had some support from your brother in this decision. But like, what about you know, former colleagues and other family members who were used to you working in traditional finance? What did they think when you said, I'm going headlong into crypto? Everyone, including my brother, thought I was making the biggest mistake of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, why would you lose such a stable job? Why would you, you know, career? Why, you know, why would you want to become a founder? Um, yeah, I think um, I think that that that, that part is, it, it, it's hard. But I think what they didn't understand is that I couldn't think I couldn't stop thinking about anything but crypto at the time and and blockchain and what it meant. And so that for me, there was no other option. Have they, have they come around since? Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess, I mean, nice segue then. Uh, tell us about Enzyme. What is it? How did the you know idea really germinate from learning about crypto and Ethereum and DeFi into Enzyme? So Enzyme is a, it, it was, it was um, let's say, uh, it's been a project that is like uh, a, a, a the driver behind it really is that I have a chip on my shoulder still about uh, not being able to succeed at something I thought I was really good at and not being able to succeed when I set up the fund just because, um, you know, because of something so silly that we, we haven't um, automated our financial industry, that it's so inefficient, that it's so clunky. Um, I think the last time traditional asset management or finance even got an upgrade was like 30, 40 years ago. So for me, I'm sitting here thinking, um, you know, looking at digital assets and believing pretty early on this is the future, everything is going to be digital. So what does that mean for our financial sector? And once I started to understand how smart contracts work, um, I thought, well, there is a way to automate all my pain points that I faced, you know, how to automate fund administration, how to automate reporting, how to automate fee calculation and distribution. How do you automate um, an investment and a redemption into a fund? How do you automate risk management, you know, permissions? Um, All of these things are programmable on chain. And that was really the secret to Enzyme, just understanding. I mean, the one really good thing out of that terrible experience was that I, for the first time in my life, I understood from back to front how the engine of asset management worked because I was doing every single step of it by myself and an intern, a great intern. Um, And when I had been at Goldman, you know, Goldman was such a large institution. um, I knew that floors of operational staff existed to help make my life easy as a trader, but I never actually knew what they did. So um, now, you know, I had this new set of experience from that one year you know, uh, and 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 I and I was basically taking all of that experience and saying, how can we automate all of this so that uh, managers, investment managers, treasurers, anyone really 
can uh, set up and manage um, an investment product without these headaches and just basically focus on what typically they love doing and what they're really good at doing. It's interesting because you mentioned like the last time like traditional finance had a big upgrade, maybe yeah. it was 30, 40 years ago. And then you get into the crypto space, big revolution. And then even within crypto, going from like CFI to DeFi and crypto only took like five or six years. So how was, how was that, um, you know, for you as an entrepreneur in the space and then realizing DeFi was the real opportunity over CFI, even within crypto? Yeah, so, I mean, um, for me, if we were going to use traditional ways, like CFI ways, to to do finance, then why were we, why were people, uh, I didn't understand why people were investing so much in Ethereum or investing so much in, you know, some of the earlier DeFi protocols like Aave Compound, um, or actually Maker was the earliest, uh, then you know, then it was us and then it was Zero X around the same time as us and Kyber Network. You know, all of these investors were believing in this future, but then they were still using very centralized systems. So they were investing in DeFi using CFI. And I never really got that. And I still, I think the case today, I think um, a lot of funds that have actually helped spur the growth in terms of, you know, funding projects are not actually using the very technologies that they've invested in. So that was always baffling, and there were so many times when I questioned myself, especially given like the growth in DeFi hasn't really happened until the last year and maybe year and a half. Um, in our case, the last six, seven months. So, you know, I uh, often questioned whether you know we were on the right track, and many times um, was told you're too early, or it's not interesting enough, or it's going to be CeFi, or too early. I heard that so many times, um, and, and maybe we were a bit, but um, I. I just couldn't get my head around like this automation. Having seen the pain points myself, I just refused to believe that there wasn't a better alternative than CFI. And just you know, even during the toughest time during crypto winter, when frankly you know it was a miracle that we even survived. You know, I think the the fact that we even survived was a testament to the team that remained had to make some pretty uh, serious sacrifices, and they're hard as nails, frankly. But the you know that 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 was um, a testament to who really believed in in the in the future that we were building and and hopefully you know we've seen a lot of traction this year. Hopefully we'll continue to see that traction in the next few years. I I think we will. So that those challenges that you would have had to overcome in you know during crypto winter must have been quite different from the challenges that maybe you've had to overcome over the last six months experiencing such huge amounts of growth. Was there any you know unexpected protocol issues that came up or community issues or industry issues like what have the last six months been like for you guys growing at such a pace i think um you know you never really know when you're going to come out of a bear market and i think it it just hit everyone kind of by surprise unless maybe one or two exceptions in DeFi. um and you know we'd been operating as slim as we could during crypto winter i mean we had uh, six people on the team that all devs and me you know, at our sort of darkest hour. And um, when the growth started to hit, you know, I'm sort of wearing the hat of operations, legal, you know, managing, paying salaries. Um, BD. <laughs> you yeah. know, BD, marketing, social everything. media, marketing, yeah. you know, uh, content creation, everything. Um, all of a sudden, you know, it was already quite a lot to manage, but all of a sudden our incoming, you know, uh, requests just exploded and our AUM started to explode and 
all of a sudden, re- re- you know, feature requests started to explode. And so the, the challenge has actually been growing the team fast enough to keep up with this growth. And um, as you know, like hiring is, is also very time consuming and, 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 um, and draining. But we, we, we're getting there, you know, sort of just, I think, past 20 people now. So I think, yeah, anyone who's in the institutional side of crypto will, will know that recruitment challenge with finding people who understand the blockchain and crypto space and the financial services space. Yeah. It's a very small talent pool that everyone's yeah. trying to fish in. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like feature requests and things like that, you guys have a, a release coming up in Q4. Yes, it's, co- it's called Sulu. Can you tell us anything about it or? Yeah, we can, I can tell you about it. Um, so uh, today, Enzyme, I just maybe start off with where we are today and where Sulu will take us. So today, Enzyme enables anyone to set up an account like a, you know, a treasury management account or a DAO account or a multi-stick account or a single account or a fund in a matter of a few clicks. You can customize it as you like. You can allow investors in. You can allow nobody in. You can select fees if you are allowing investors in. You can um, whitelist investors or keep it open to anyone. You can select, select policies which uh, program or uh, define how the manager is able to act, what they are and aren't allowed to do. And in a few clicks, you can have this deployed on-chain. And then once it's deployed, you can interact with uh, all the protocols we're integrated with through the vault. So you can integrate with uh, just DEX trading. So you can um, trade on uh, Uniswap, Curve, Kyber Network, 0x, any of the major DEXs. So we sort of act as an aggregator of the DEXs and the... the, um, even the DEX aggregators. Um, you can also use your vault to deposit into AMM pools, so you can provide liquidity to Uniswap pools or Curve pools. We also have Balancer coming soon. Um, and then you can also um, farm those pools, so you can basically earn rewards for providing liquidity, so there's a way to claim your rewards uh, into your vault from our interface. You can um, you can look for yield on assets. So we have a yield section. So if you wanted to look for the best yield on USDC, um, we're integrated with Yearn Vaults. We're integrated with Idle Strategies um, and uh, Compound and Aave, and it will look for the best yield. Um, and, and you can deposit into the one you're comfortable depositing in. And all of the trades you do, all of the uh, things you're doing are, re- are being recorded on-chain and being filtered into a reporting database, which allows you to download historical data on your performance, which is provable on-chain. Um, our system, because it's all, all programmable, is calculating your management and performance fees on a block-by-block basis and then allowing you to claim them whenever you want. Um, any risk management rules you have uh, set are enforceable by smart contracts. So the whole thing from start to finish is totally automated and enforced by blockchain. And the efficiencies and uh, that that creates are just amazing compared to what it is like in traditional finance. And so transparencies as well, I guess. And transparency, like, of it's course. It's a gift yeah. for regulators yeah. if you're going down that road or yeah. administrators even. For sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think truly, um, you know, regulators should be embracing DeFi because there's a huge lack of transparency in traditional finance at the moment. So where we're going uh, in with Sulu is... Um, you know, we're basically um, enabling borrowing for the first time, so vaults will be able to take leverage, uh, which is really exciting. Um, there has been um, some uh, 
some feedback that um, managers are incurring the gas costs for all the transactions themselves personally. So we're enabling a way to expense trading costs, etc., to the vault, back to the vault, so that if it's a if it's a fund, for example, um, it's not just the manager alone wearing the, the trading cost, but the collective. Um, we are. Um, uh, in, in enabling transferable share vault shares. So at the moment, um, if you if you have a, a vault, the shares are non-transferable. You can just invest and redeem. Um, but because of the emergence of things like Uniswap pools and Curve pools, um, there has definitely been some demand for people to generate or pre-mint um, a bunch of vault tokens and then deposit them into an AMM pool and create a secondary market for them. So that will become an option. Um, and uh, yeah, just a lot of architectural improvements as well. And then on the integration side, we'll be integrating Uniswap v3. Uh, we're working on a pool together integration. Uh, we're also bringing in Balancer soon and uh, Aave staking and GRT staking. <laughs> yeah, it's been busy. Yeah. <laughs> is this um, th this is coming out in, in Q4 this year? This is, is hopefully coming out in the next three to four weeks, yeah. Excellent. And yeah. where will people go to find that information is it on the website on your socials i think our twitter account is probably where we make uh, most of our announcements first so it's the enzyme financed twitter account okay um we mentioned regulation briefly there yeah. so i mean the, they've been noticeably absent in the DeFi space um have you seen anywhere in the world that looks like it's going to be the first i don't know permissible or you know, most engaged regulator? Like, what, I, remind me where you guys are based now. Um, well, the council is decentralized, so mm. we're all over the place. That's the enzyme governance, decentralized governance. And the uh, Avangard Finance we're, is, is the company is based in the UK, but we're uh, a decentralized team. We're based all over the world. Um, I... Um, a hard, it's a hard question. Is anyone embracing DeFi? Um, no, I don't think anyone is. I think everyone's terrified of it. Yeah. Um, I would say Switzerland, um, I just came back from Switzerland, and I have to say the, the, the working groups, um, not at a even regulator level, but at a um, governmental kind of SIF level, they're really working hard to understand this and to enable it and to, you know, to become um, lead, the, the leaders in that. Uh, space, um, but there's also a lot of fear around it. There's still a massive lack of understanding the technology. I think lawyers are now starting to kind of understand DeFi, but I think we still need to jump another hoop for um, you know lawmakers and regulators to fully understand it. Some of them really do, and I think it's a real opportunity for anyone to embrace it um, and be the first to embrace it confidently. But you know, it is early days. We don't have enough data. Um, in terms of, you know, everyone is sitting here saying, oh, it's great, and this is why it's great. Um, but the reality is, you know, we haven't, we haven't, DeFi hasn't been around for that long, so there hasn't been um, enough time to fully assess, you know, from a data perspective, what the risks and, um, yeah, what the risks are to the, to the, to the users. But I, I think the most important thing from a regulatory perspective is to understand that um, you can't just shove DeFi into the traditional financial regulations because the under I, that would just be completely and utterly stupid, and I think um, that shows a massive lack of understanding DeFi. If anyone is trying to say that, because the underlying assumptions that underpin DeFi are just so dramatically different to CeFi that that just 
not only would not make sense, but it would actually defeat the purpose of regulation altogether. And I guess an, an added complexity to all of it is, I mean, there's there's probably two camps of users in the in the DeFi space as well, right? There's the the people who perhaps rightly believe that it's opening up accessibility to finance for literally everyone in the world with an yes. internet connection, mm-hmm. and it should be unregulated, and you should be able to just create something in the space or invest in anything you want in the space. And then there's also the people who believe that it opens up opportunities, but there's also the opportunity to create things that are, you know, investable, but also, I guess, dangerously investable if you don't have the, um, you know, your own personal assets to, to lose in that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a requirement for regulation, but people also think it'll kill the whole purpose of it in the first place. Um, I mean, where you guys must kind of straddle that line and service both of those camps. Do you see, like, one prevailing over the other, or maybe... Will there be more liquidity in the sort of like permissioned, regulated DeFi space and, and less in the open retail public space? Or will they just evolve as completely different models or merge? I, I think, you know, for me, it's all about giving users a choice, right? And giving users alternatives. Um, I think pre- DeFi and crypto in general wouldn't have done as well as it's done if people weren't, frankly, quite fed up with the existing financial system. We have this um, tendency to think that regulation is always good. Um, I don't, but a lot of people do. But um, actually, you know, has regulation really, you know, I mean, for example, look at AML law. Has AML actually reduced um, anti-money laundering, you know, all these KYC AML hoops that we have to jump through? Well, you know, I think... I think the last two, three years, we've seen record high anti-money, anti-money laundering, you know, in, 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 by the way, some of the most heavily regulated U.S. and European banks. So um, Most of them probably have a budget for fines they will face yeah. for that stuff. Yeah, but, but so what's the point of making everyone's life hell with all of these layers and layers and layers of regulation if we're not actually accomplishing the goal? So, you know, I think... Um, it's all about an alternative. And w- when I speak to users about using DeFi, I've heard so many different things that people like. Some people like the yield. Um, but I've heard a few times I'm from people just, I'm so fed up of, you know, when I, when I come to open a bank account or when I come to invest in a fund, the amount of KYC AML they ask me for now mm. is just beyond ridiculous. And it's so refreshing to just have a permissionless system where I can just, dip, you know... I don't. I, I'm not made to feel like a criminal before. You know, it's almost like you're guilty until proven innocent in finance today. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's. Um, you know, there's a combination of things happening here. Um, and I just think I don't know if anyone will prevail. But I think that it's all about providing people with alternatives and 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 empowering users to make that choice. This leads nicely into the questions we ask every guest, and I'm conscious of time as well because I know you have to head off shortly. So. If it's, if it's okay with you, we'll jump into these questions that we ask everyone. No pressure. <laughs> I know sure. we didn't send them to you in advance. <laughs> the first one's an easy one. So where do you see the industry in one year versus 10 years? And you can either answer that on like the crypto industry or you can think about DeFi specifically. One year. I'll talk about DeFi, I think. But I think one year... For, so first of all, just to give you like some context, you know, we're, we already saw a bull market... And that bull market uh, had zero substance behind it. You know, a lot of 
the DeFi coins reached crazy valuations before they had even come close to releasing a V1. So the fact that now everyone's on their V3s and their V4s and everyone has user traction and real growth, I think is really exciting. And I think that that will continue on a 10-year um, view. I think that in 10 years, maybe 10 to 15 years from now, I think DeFi will be as big um, as CeFi. I don't think it will take over CeFi. I think there's always going to be these two worlds in parallel. Some people will uh, like, you know, having their own ownership over their assets and like, you know, what DeFi has to offer. And other pe people are like, if I lose my password, I don't want to have uh, a meltdown over it. I want to be able to email my bank and ask for a replacement. If there's one thing you could change about the industry, what would it be? The spammers. <laughs> Too many of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we could all live without them. Okay, what is one piece of technology you couldn't live without in your life? My phone. Fair enough. What does your weekend look like if you get time off? Spending quality time with my son and... Um, if I'm lucky, some exercise and uh, margarita. Combining the two, yeah. maybe? <laughs> or three. <laughs> okay. Um, is there a film, a movie, that you could watch over and over again and never get tired of? Notting Hill. Hmm. I feel like it's always on TV as well. <laughs> okay. um, do you have any catchphrases that you live by or mottos? The time is now, like living in the now. Very good. Who should we all follow on Twitter? Bearing in mind, you've already dropped Enzyme's handle on us. So we're following Enzyme. Oh, yeah, I know. Edward Snowden. Good one. What was the last thing that surprised you? Good question. I don't think I've been surprised for a while. Um, <laughs> nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> After you've been in crypto for 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who's the next guest we should have on our show? Oh, that's a great question. Um, do you take anonymous guests? Ooh, yeah. I don't think we've ever had one, but that sounds cool. I think you should take Giga and Exa from Exponent. Cool. Can you introduce us? Sure. Oh, excellent. Okay, last question. If you somehow managed to meet Satoshi, mm. if you only got to ask him or her or them one question, what would it be? Can I have your keys? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> great Mona this is it that's it you're done thank you very awesome. much we've thanks, enjoyed guys. the conversation really enjoyed that it's so much fun you're a great podcaster oh thanks <laughs> you'll keep that in I hope <laughs> <laughs> to our listeners if you haven't already seen Mona's show and tell video please go to our YouTube page or you can find it on Twitter at Copper HQ or on our website copper.co forward slash insights there you can also sign up for our newsletter which goes out every Tuesday and includes links to all the week's top stories analysis as well as updates from the wider team here at Copper if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please make sure to give us a good review on whichever streaming platform you're using. If you want to get in touch, you can always reach me, Tyler, on Twitter at CryptoTSK, or you can email me directly, tyler.kenyon at copper.co. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or if you know someone who should be, give us a shout. We're here to talk all things institutional crypto. And the show is made possible because of the technical and creative wizardry of Tally Spear, with help from Meili Mouth and Eva Leela. Thanks.